Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now, your host, Matthew Kanata, joined by co-hosts, Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finside Radio. My name is Matt Kanat. I am joined by Aaron Sutton. Joshua Houts is away for the evening, so he will not be joining us here this week. The Dolphins bye week. It's uh, kind of snuck up on the Miami Dolphins and all of us, I think. Uh, just kind of came out of nowhere after those brutal four games to open the season. Dolphins head into the bye on four. And, you know, you look at it, and then you look at the results, and you look at everything's going on. But then again, you kind of look at it in the grand scheme of things, right? And even if Adam Gase was here, son, and everyone else listening, think to yourselves, like, even if Adam Gase was here, right, what would realistically the Dolphins' record be heading into the bye? Let's say they didn't tear down the team. Let's say they continue to build in free agency. I mean, you start with the Ravens, who have had the number on the Dolphins for over a decade, right, dating back to Tony Sperano and probably before mm-hmm. that as well. You, then you go, then you take on the Patriots, okay? Yes, in Miami, but still, it's the Patriots early in the season. Then you take on the Cowboys, another really good team in Dallas. And then you take on the Chargers. Yes, their history in Miami has not been great, but they're still a very good team. So even if Adam Gase was here, and even if the Dolphins didn't tear down this team, the chances of them going 0-4 to start the season, regardless of what was happening, I think is pretty high. And maybe at at best, the Dolphins would have went one and three. Maybe they could have been in the Chargers under Adam Gase. But I, I don't think so. And, you know, based on, yes, they're tanking or based on the Dolphins, whether they weren't tanking, I, I still think we'd very have uh, very similar results here this way to start the season. Yeah, definitely hard to tell going down that rabbit hole what the record would have been and, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, in terms of our expectations and how we're feeling about the team. I kind of prefer, I'm almost in a meditative state right now. We were talking before the show, like, man, it's, we're just kind of coasting like, Oh crap. Here's, here's the bye week week five. And I've said all along that I think if we do see a better Miami Dolphins product, it's going to be after the bye. And one silver lining that I found uh, so far is that the Dolphins have seemed to uh, have done a better job with penalties. They're in the top three in net penalty yardage and total penalty yardage. So, uh, you know, we came into the season wanting to be a smart, tough, and disciplined team. And, uh, you know, we may be kind of working out that discipline part of that. 
we've seen the Dolphins put together good first halves, right, as the season has progressed. We saw them get blown out of the water by the Ravens. That game was over, I think, midway through the first quarter, if not before that. And then they started putting together a little bit uh, better stretch against the Patriots. Then they started getting even better against the Cowboys, hanging tough with them until the half, and then even better against the Chargers. And if it wasn't for the two Jason Sanders missed field goals in the first half, I think they would have been down going one, uh, down by one going into the half. Had our the problem first is the second. We did have our first lead, <laughs> and the offense has shown signs of life under Josh Rosen. So this Dolphins team is improving, right? They are getting better. They're starting to understand the system a bit more. It's just hard with the lack of talent. I'm very interested to see what's going to happen with this offense when Albert Albert Wilson returns because he is, uh, I believe, a perfect fit for the kind of offense that Chad O'Shea is trying to build here in Miami with the short underneath routes to open up the long pass over the top. And I know every offense tries to do that, but Albert Wilson is a fantastic slot receiver and is very speedy and is reminiscent of, you know, what they try to do in New England with Julian Edelman and the likes. So I'm very anxious to see him uh, return. I know he's getting closer and closer. I'm hoping this bye week uh, knocks the rust off the remaining rust and he's ready to go. When they when the Dolphins return to take on the Redskins, I mean, you look at their stretch, right? Their the next quarter of the season, they got the Redskins, they got the Bills, they got the Steelers, they got the Jets. There is a decent chance, and you're all gonna probably laugh at me, but there is a decent chance the Dolphins could ready for this go three and one in this stretch. <laughs> I just said that. <laughs> but hear me out, right? The Redskins yeah. are a hot mess. Okay. They have no clue who their quarterback is. Case Keenum's in a walking boot. Dwayne Haskins, uh, there's a rift between the coaching staff and the front office. Uh, Jay Gruden's almost throwing him under the bus at his press conference after the last game thrown in there. Uh, there, He got Colt McCoy in the mix to start. Jay Gruden said today, uh, Wednesday as we record this, he doesn't know who's going to be starting against the Patriots on Sunday. Gamesmanship, I don't know, but I really don't think they know. I mean, you, you, you go against the Patriots and you put Dwayne Haskins out there. I feel like he's going to get absolutely annihilated by that defense. And then his confidence, two games, is going to be shook coming into a Dolphins off a bye week. Then you got the Bills. Okay, that's probably not going to be a win, right? But then you got the Steelers. And Steelers are not that great. Yes, they look fantastic against the Bengals on Monday Night Football, but it's the Bengals who might be just as bad as the Dolphins, maybe a little bit better. So you look at that. And then you look at the Jets, who are a hot freaking mess, right? Uh, Adam Gase obviously going to be out for revenge. They're, they're playing in Miami. We don't know the status of Sam Darnold. He's probably going to be back by then. But they haven't done much either. If the Dolphins can come out of this bye week improved, you know, they've already been improving. Uh, three and one might sound crazy stupid, but I really don't think it's crazy stupid. It's in the realm of possibilities. And... <laughs> It's it's one of those it's like the opposite of the unstoppable force and immovable object. It's the constantly stopped force and the always you can always move it object. So it's in those types of games, fluky things happen, you know, between penalties and uh, just dumb luck. Those types of games can go any any sort of different ways. So, you know, when you have a game where you have Josh Rosen going against Zach Rudolph, you know, um, or sorry, Zach Rudolph, Mason Rudolph, Zach Rudolph's a basketball player. Uh, when you have when you have those types of quarterback matchups, anything can happen. Now, 
Would we say that that would be a, a failure? Would we have failed this season then, Matthew, if we do win three games? To the coaching staff, I don't think so. To the players, definitely not. To the front office and the owner, Stephen Ross, maybe. But then again, Stephen Ross said at a press conference back in the offseason when they first kind of announced Chris Greer as the new GM and all that, he said he hopes the Dolphins don't go 3-13. and Now, at this point, it seems like it's going to be a miracle if the Dolphins go 3-13. and But I don't think – maybe they have, but I don't know if – I'm struggling to say this because I don't know if the Dolphins purposely constructed their roster in a way to get that number one pick. I don't know if they said, okay, we need that number one pick, right? I think it was more or so than something in the lines of let's make sure we get a top five, top ten pick so we can be in position to draft a quarterback. And that transitions me into the report from Tony Pauling of Pro Football Network, who has a disclaimer. Everyone knows we, we both own this together said that scouts, some scouts in the community, in the scouting community, think that Jordan Love is going to be the first quarterback off the board, which is crazy to think right now, right? But then you look back at Kyler Murray, you look back at Baker Mayfield, you look back at others, and no one knew at, you know, leading during the college football season leading up to their draft that year that they were going to be the first pick in the draft, right? People were talking about Baker Mayfield even a few months before the draft, sliding down to the teens to the early 20s. People were looking at Kyler Murray and saying, oh, maybe he'll go in the first round. Maybe he won't go in the first round. And then he ends up being the number one overall pick. So you never know how it's going to turn out because you still have a whole lot of football to play. You still got more than half the season to play in college football or just about half the season. And then you got all the, uh, you know, all the offseason stuff, the workouts, the senior bowl, the combine, the shrine, the shrine game and everything else of that nature and the private interviews and all that. And then we don't know what the background information is on these guys either, right? You, you don't know what the medicals, you don't know the red flags the teams are, are picking up on. So when you put all that together, it's hard to say at this point who's going where, who's doing what, and what's happening. And, you know, I know, son, you put out a tweet the other day. It's like, okay, guys, relax. It's okay to understand that we don't know what we don't know at this point. And to have anyone say for sure that this guy is going one, this guy is going one, this guy is going one, I think is not the right thing to do. Even Jalen Hurts, for example, right? The dude is balling out so far. If he continues at this pace the rest of the season, and he was being talked about as a third-day, second-day pick, if he continues this pace and then has an amazing uh, combine and senior bowl, there's going to be discussion of him in the first round. I mean, even look at Joe Burrows, and we talked about this last week. You've got yeah. all these quarterbacks, and no one, and everyone's saying Tua, 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 Tua. And I love Tua Tonga-Vailoa, and I think the Dolphins should draft him if they get the number one pick. But I think there's also a cautionary tale to be had there when you look at the history of Alabama quarterbacks in the NFL. Who is the last Alabama quarterback that has succeeded in the NFL and has become a franchise quarterback? You know, it's we, – we have this – mental constructs in our in our minds as dolphins people right now that a we're going to get the number one pick and b that person's going to be Tua. so in any parallel universe where the dolphins aren't picking number one and they're picking someone else it already kind of is already violating people in the wrong way and i just i'm just thinking about how scouts themselves would be approaching this whole process and really it's about information gathering right now it's about uh establishing the tape being able to rewatch the tape 
and be able to roll your sleeves up and actually have some actionable info to work with. But like you said, Matthew, there's so much more that goes into this process. You know, you have you have people from organizations sit in a favorite player's restaurant and ask their waitresses how well <laughs> they yeah. and get, you know interact with them and stuff like that. Their teams go yep. to serious lengths to try to understand the man, the man behind the mask. So. You know, when you couple all that stuff, like it is okay to collect information. It is okay to allow this college football season to play out and have more information to work with before you start doing this hard ranking system. Like, yeah, share your opinions by all means and have rankings if you want, but why would you be so rigid? And if anybody's followed the draft the last however many years, does things ever go to plan? I mean, do do players ever work out exactly, oh, the first best player was drafted number one, and the second best player was drafted number two, and the third best right. player is drafted number three? Of course not. It is an absolute crap show. It is chaos, and that's why the draft is compelling theater. But don't sit here and tell me. 204 days before the draft that you know exactly how things are going to play out and then just shut down conversation so much don't, changes so much don't, changes don't be like that guys and girls please keep an open mind and act like these players are the ball of clay that they are because i remember going into the combine my very first interview was with tyree jackson the quarterback from buffalo last year huge monster arm had some oh, yeah, yeah. Foul throws in college football last year and people yeah. were saying oh he could go second round third round you know someone's going to take a flyer on him and he went undrafted so there are so many narratives out there that get completely crushed by what really transpires in the draft and you know me sitting here in cleveland ohio and you know we have someone like tony on our side who has some of the best access to teams and just a, a free flow of information. And, and one real quick story from the combine. When, when you see scouts talk to each other, it's not at all like it is us talking on Twitter where we're basically yelling at each <laughs> other and thinking everybody's smarter than the other person. Yeah. It's all, it's all, it's all cordial. It's all information sharing. It's, it's way more, it's less cutthroat than you think. I mean, I know people get fired and whatnot, but it's basically just, uh, what's that game where they move the, the things around with the money underneath, um, fart. I, I forgot that expression, but it's moving, no shells, moving shells, uh, it's just people rotating to different spots on different teams, but doing the same thing they were doing before. And if you're actually a little bit better than that, then you'll get another rank. And if you get fired there, maybe you'll go to another team. So it's just rotating. It's a fraternity. And it's there's a lot of information shared amongst NFL teams. And just so lucky to have someone like Tony. And if he says something like uh, Jordan Love is getting – the respect of the scouts early on right now in this process, you know, at this stage in the game, scouts are far and away ahead of anybody um, like us or on Twitter or anything like that. These guys are miles ahead of all of us. So if that's what they're saying, then, you know, maybe it's wise for us to just perk our ears up and listen and watch more closely instead of just saying, oh, wow, this can't possibly be true. 
And, you know, it's it's funny because you get through draft season, right? And then you get to the point where it's starting to get closer and closer to the draft. Then you hear after the combine, oh, this guy's rising up the boards. This guy's falling down the boards. And I, and I tweet it every year. And a lot of people tweet it. And it's it's just that the media is finally catching up, right, to the way that the teams have, are thinking. So it's not like this guy's rising up the draft boards because he had a strong combine workout. No, now it's kind of out there in the public. And now the media is just catching on to what is really happening. So when we heard last year, oh, Baker Mayfield's rising up the draft boards. Well, he was already rising up the draft boards during the season for NFL teams. It's just that in March and February, then the media started catching up to it. And we'll see the same thing this year, too. So the media is always, always, always late on things. So to to say at this point that Tua Tonga Viola is the clear cut number one pick in the draft and the number one quarterback, yes, it seems obvious that he might be, but we don't really know what the majority of scouts are thinking. And we don't know how the rest of the season is going to shake out. You know, you have a guy like Chase Young, the defensive end, who is considered the best defensive end in this in this draft class. Who's to say that if a team like Miami, right, who has the Steelers first round pick? Perhaps the Steelers finish in the top 10, right? And the Dolphins have another pick later in the first round, the Texans pick. And the Dolphins maybe get the first, second, or third pick. And the, the team with the first pick, perhaps the Bengals or the Redskins, go with a guy like Tua Tonga-Vailoa. And then maybe the second pick goes another quarterback. And then Chase Young is sitting right there for the Dolphins. So maybe the Dolphins take Chase Young. And then they get their quarterback, someone like Joe Burrows or Jordan Love, with the Steelers pick. It's a whole lot of variables. We have no idea what Chris Flor- Chris Flores, <laughs> Chris Greer, and Brian Flores is thinking. <laughs> I see. We have, we have no idea. Because remember, Brian Flores is a defensive coach, right? Chris Greer, I believe, has, has kind of been around a lot of teams who have built themselves up on defense besides his tenure in Miami, right? But, but the scouting roots are there. And Brian Flores may want that pass rusher to kind of be the anchor of the defensive line and then to get their quarterback after. We don't know their thinking right now. Like, everyone just assumes it's going to be Tua Tonga-Vailoa because that's the obvious choice, but we just don't know. And it's okay to say that we don't know. We don't have to come out here and flaunt around and say, oh, we know this, we know that, because we know how quick information changes in the NFL. And here's one other thing that we've been asked to kind of flush out and I'm interested to get your perspective on this, Matthew. We had a request on the Finsider.com to kind of analyze Chris Greer and what he's been responsible for in the draft. And that's always been a point of contention with me because I think those narratives yeah. can change in any different way because it's, you know, when you think about it, it's a team of people making a decision, usually together. And sometimes, yes, there has to be, a, you know, a, a power power struggle where someone is saying exercising their authority and saying well i'm overruling you i'm going to do this but most of the time i would argue most of these decisions are arrived at in some group think mentality so because decisions are made in that way you can really assess blame to any link in that chain there so you know you could blame chris greer or mike tenenbaum for for certain decisions that have been made so that's where it gets a little bit messy for me you would know way more about who has been in charge of specific uh 
Miami Dolphins transactions and certain Miami Dolphins draft picks over the years. Um, but I think big picture, you could give credit to anybody in that chain when things go well, and you can give uh, the blame to anybody in that chain when things don't go so well. So I- I'm curious what you know, Matthew. Chris Greer is a self-described servant leader, and he said this himself. And what this means is that he caters to the head coach, right? And we we knew, we've heard that Adam Gase kind of got all the power after his first season in Miami and kind of ruled the show there. And Chris Greer was a de facto general manager because you still had Mike Tannenbaum. And now with Brian Flores, you've also heard that he's kind of, um, you know, leveraging towards him, if that's the right word to use. I can't think of the right word to use at this moment, but kind of, you know, not giving into him, but really understanding what Brian Flores wants and kind of letting Brian Flores steer that ship with, with um, Chris Greer himself kind of overseeing that part of it. And, and what that means for me is that, you know, if, if there's no point, right. And if Brian Flores or Adam Gates was dead set on a guy that they wanted, it's Chris Greer's job to explain the difference to say, okay, well, Here's why I don't like this guy. Here's why I think we should go with this route. And if Brian Flores and his coaching staff are still dead set on this guy and believe that this guy can make an impact for this team, it does Chris Greer and the rest of the front office no good to A, not select that player, and B, select someone totally different that the coaching staff may not be on board with. Because that's how you see the the fractions within the teams and the organizations, and that's why you see stuff breaking up. So, yes, I, I agree with you that I don't think it's totally fair to judge Chris Greer uh, on, you know, every single draft pick because we don't truly know which ones were his, which ones weren't. Adam Gates had no input, and he didn't want to have any input. But people may say, oh, it was this guy, that guy, this guy, that guy. We just don't know. And, um, yeah, I don't think it's fair to judge Greer on, on every pick that's been made in his tenure here in Miami. And I don't think you can ever truly judge any general manager because it's really, truly, or it should be a good organization, should be a total team effort and, you know, kind of agree on where they're going to go forward with it. And honestly, and this is one component of Brian Flores that sometimes gets forgotten, I think, is that he does have scouting background in the National Football League. So Correct. when you have the opportunity for someone like that who who is now our head coach, but has that acumen to be able to work with Chris, who by all measure seems to be as much of a team player as there is in, in this business. You know, I, I feel like we're putting in our, ourselves in a chance to go down swinging at the very least. Uh, we're going to have a lot of draft capital, a lot of things to work with. And don't forget about Marvin Allen and Reggie McKenzie in that draft room as well. Uh, Reggie, Reggie McKenzie. Yeah. I got to, got to so, meet him in Indianapolis. And uh, yeah, I mean, the dolphins are loaded with draft pick and front office personnel. Like they should have enough. You don't want too many voices in the room, but they should have enough voices in the room to make sure that this ship's headed in the right direction. And that's pretty exciting to think about. Yeah. Pretty, pretty interesting think tank there. Cause they've all had, different successes and different, uh, you know, with different organizations, you know, McKenzie, especially with uh, the Oakland Raiders had a good stretch there. Right. Right. 
I mean, the Dolphins are on a bye week, so I know this whole conversation here was kind of focused on the draft and looking forward to that. And as we go through the season, I think we're going to keep talking about the draft more and more and more unless the Dolphins do go 3-1 and one after this stretch. I know I'm going to get flames for that, but uh, it's okay. We all have our own opinions, and it's okay to disagree as long as it's civil and we're not kind of pounding our chests out there. Uh, 28-17, don't at me, right? Yeah, 24-17. <laughs> I can't even I can't even do a prediction this week. And if you guys haven't caught on to that yet, that's going to happen every every Saturday throughout the season. I don't care what happens with this team. But um, yeah, man, it's it's going to be an interesting rest of the season. Uh, stay tough, eyes on the prize, and let's not enjoy this season. But we have something to look forward to. I mean, you don't want to rush time ever in your life. But when the time does come, when we get to January and February, the Dolphins are going to absolutely dominate the offseason, starting with the combine, starting with hopefully they're coaching in the senior bowl, the free agency, then the draft. It's going to be all Dolphins all the time right up to the Super Bowl, and it's going to be glorious. Any last thoughts? Yeah, you know, we're still going to keep our eyes on the the members of this young nucleus, uh, the the Christian Wilkins, the Xavier Howards. We're still going to be watching them very closely and – uh, measuring their their growth over time here because we want to to time up their you know their kind of crescendo as an athlete here with the Miami Dolphins so we want to you know maximize and supplement those types of guys with the best possible players in the off season. You got it. All right, so we'll be back with you. We're not going to be doing any more. Uh... Well, this week, at least, because it's the bye week. We won't be doing any uh, daily shows this week, as you may have seen, because it's the bye. But we'll be back in full force next week as we head into the next start part of the season with the Dolphins taking on the Redskins to return from their bye week. And then we'll kind of see where they're landing from there and how they're going to keep improving throughout the rest of the season. That's going to do it for us here on Finsider Radio. For Aaron Sutton, I am Matt Kanata. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Everybody, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins.
Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. 